Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish and edit the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague and friend is Bruce Aldrich, and today we're going in a little bit of a different direction. We don't have a guest per se, but we have three guests. We've, we've tapped into the virtual media day for LA Automobility, and normally we'd be down in Los Angeles. Um, they've uh, delayed the last year's show to May and now this year's show to November. So we've skipped an entire year, but they've presented us a full day of um, online with Zoom or on the uh, internet browser to talk with, uh, to listen to various um, people from different manufacturers. And today we've tapped into three and we're going to present what they have to say and also uh, Q&As. The three companies that we listen to today are Magna and Toyota and Volkswagen. Magna is now a company that um, other companies come to to act, basically build cars for them. And they're a mobility company and they do from uh, parts of vehicles to a full vehicle. Um, and they're, they're um, expanding their horizons and it's called Magna. So we have a, a man on from Magna. And then we go to Toyota, and they had a nice presentation about their um, hydrogen vehicle, the Mirage, and they've introduced a new vehicle, uh, and they had a a very nice um, introduction to that vehicle and the increased uh, interest and um, future of hydrogen. And lastly, we listened to Volkswagen, and they're introducing a new vehicle, the ID4, which is their electric uh, crossover SUV, and uh, they had an equally nice presentation. So what we're going to do today is to listen to the three people who spoke from those companies and some Q&As. Bruce and I were uh, able to um, submit some questions, and they covered a couple of our questions. And so um, welcome to our podcast, and uh, we're going to hear what's on the immediate future from Magna, Toyota, and Volkswagen. The future of mobility might very well be driven by electrification and autonomy, but some will have a more active role in defining and creating the future than others. As one of the largest suppliers in the mobility space, we help automakers and new entrants move people and goods forward. We develop solutions that make cars safer, cleaner, and smarter. The future will change how each and every one of us use and interact with our vehicles. We leverage our decades of automotive experience and unique structure that allows us to operate like a startup and innovate like a tech company. In fact, we deliver innovative solutions that people didn't even know they needed until we brought them to market and now they can't live without them. Innovative solutions like stow and go seats that revolutionized the minivan market, rear view cameras years before US legislation mandated them, and automated driving features like our trailer angle detection technology that debuted on the Ford F-150, which surely has reduced the anxiety that we all felt, as well as accidents in trying to maneuver campers, trailers, and boats into tight spots. These are just a few of the products developed by our entrepreneurial employees who know that every advancement in mobility helps build a better world for everyone. And nowhere is that more relevant than helping to create a cleaner, 
more sustainable future. We've actually been at this for a while, but we're accelerating our efforts, making vehicles lighter, more efficient, and delivering a range of powertrain options as our industry progresses towards full electrification. And now I would like to turn it over to my colleague, Tom Rucker, president of Magna Powertrain Group, to explain how a new Magna technology can quickly convert an existing vehicle to electric drive. Tom? Thanks, Sharif. As we consider what's ahead of us, I want to begin by sharing a story that started when we asked ourselves, how do we maintain the strength and functionality of a conventional pickup truck and choose to protect our environment? This is a bold endeavor to electrify pickup trucks whose owners demand the towing and hauling capabilities they are used to currently. It's no secret the light-duty pickup truck segment is extremely important to automakers. Last year, one in five vehicles sold in the U.S. were either mid-size or full-size trucks. Pickup trucks are also one of the last vehicle segments to become fully electrified. That means there is a huge portion of the market that requires significant change to achieve the emission goals being set by automakers and governments. To understand EBIM, we have to start with the axle. Axles are one of the core elements of a truck's strength and are integral in determining how much a truck can carry or tow. However, the solid beam rear axle common to trucks has not seen any significant change for over 100 years. But not long ago, a small team of Magna engineers who happened to be truck enthusiasts took up the challenge of creating a product for electrifying a traditional pickup truck without harming its ability to haul lumber or pull a boat up a long mossy boat ramp. The team spent months benchmarking and stress testing traditional beam axle systems on Michigan's bumpy roads. They challenged the trucks in wintry conditions, on sand dunes, and by adding thousands of pounds of weight while also towing another vehicle. They wanted to ensure the components they developed had the durability to do all the things truck users need them to do. The result is the scalable e-beam family of products, enabling electrification of mid-size up to heavy-duty pickup trucks, as well as light commercial vehicles such as delivery vans. The solution is not only economical, but also utilizes existing truck suspension and chassis architectures, resulting in no loss of capability. E-beam can be used as part of a battery electric or hybrid powertrain system and is available in several variants. Truck manufacturers can select a single motor, single speed, a single motor with two speeds, or a twin-motor E-beam with a single-speed and torque vectoring. Each variant offers different capability depending on the vehicle's need. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. So thank you very much for joining us for the Magna Q&A portion of the press conference. My name is Tracy Fierst. I'm the Vice President, Vice President of Corporate Communications for the company, and I'm going to be moderating today's session at least in the next 10 minutes here. Uh, so because we have such a short period of time, uh, please I, feel free to put your questions into the Q&A if you have any. I see a couple of them are coming in, so I, I'm going to take them as they come in. 
and uh, we'll just go ahead and get started. So I'm going to start with the first one that's coming. That's going to go to you, Tom. Uh, you mentioned the, the the rear axles not changing uh, significantly in the last 100 years. That that is a big deal. So could you just give a little bit more color to that? Sure. You know, from a from a high level, I think you can you can say that that the core concept of the solid uh, rear axle really hasn't changed in in a long, long time. It has always included gears at the center of the axle that distribute power, you know, through two tubes to the left and and right wheels, and uh, basically adding electric motors, either one or two, in our concept right now is a drastic change to the beam axle as it now becomes the, the source of power, if you will. All right, that's great. So st let's stick with you, Tom, just because there's some more questions coming in. There's some curiosity about the E-beam. Is, it, is, it, is this a manufacturer's only or aftermarket too? You know, we obviously right now we're still in the development stage of this product, but we will have a demonstrator vehicle on the road at the end of uh, this year, 2021. And um, I, it, it's intended to be, you know, for OEMs uh, in manufacturing, helping our customers to quickly and very simply electrify this very important segment. But I think an aftermarket solution uh, can definitely be part of the concept as well. Okay, and just a real follow-up on that one. So you said the demonstrator's coming uh, probably later this year or next year. Um, so any OEMs currently using E-Beam or something similar to that? Yeah, so so just to clarify, this year, end of this year, the demonstrator vehicle will be on the road. And yes, we are working with several OEMs. We cannot go into uh, too much detail right now, but there's uh, been quite uh, significant interest from OEMs on this problem. Okay, and I see some people are asking about the press release. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, gets to everybody that's in this uh, lounge. We'll, we'll make sure everyone gets that. So, Sharif, I'm going to throw it over to you now. There's There's been a lot of talk on electrification in, in, in our industry, and we've got OEMs coming out with some, some, some major goals, right, of a, a zero emissions future by 2030 and, and 2035 and things like that. So what does that, what does that mean in terms of, you know, for Magna and suppliers like Magna? Sure, sure. Um, you're right. There are a lot of announcements actually starting this year that we're going to start seeing some electric uh, pickup trucks. And uh, there's always, it's, it's a very important segment. And what it means to Magna is everything we're doing by doing a building block approach and taking a look at the full vehicle, uh, the improvement in emissions, the improvement in uh all the improvement today in fuel economy in a traditional truck will apply, most of it is going to apply directly to an electric vehicle. So things that we're working on and the industry is working on like, like uh, improvement in aerodynamics, improvement, uh, light weighting of uh, components in the vehicle uh, will all improve fuel economy today and it's gonna improve electric uh, range in the future. And we all know this is a transitional uh, decade, if you will, with where a lot of the trucks are going or, you know, a lot of the vehicles in general are going from uh, ICE vehicles into electric vehicles. And we're ready and we're putting the building blocks to do that, uh, including non-electrification components. 
So let's stay with you for just a second, Sharif. So you've, you've been in the business a long time, right? And you've been working on EVs a long time. Did you ever think you'd see something like this for the truck market come? I mean, what 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 are your thoughts from a from a non-powertrain guy, right? It's it's uh so exciting. I mean, I've been working on electric vehicles for over 15 years and uh the world has changed and the market has taken off. There's real production vehicles now going in the market. And I will say that. Uh, I wasn't sure when trucks were going to come uh, to be electric. I, I've always known that small vehicles, front-wheel drive vehicles, and that's already starting, whether it's hybrid, electrification, all the way to pure electrics. But to, to see the, the number of truck announcements is very exciting to me. And it's it's really a, a bright moment in zero emissions and, and electric vehicles to go after the truck market. And I just wanted to highlight that some of the innovations that we're talking about, like eBeam, really lends itself very nicely into the pickup truck market because we have to um, tailor to what that consumer is looking for, which is payload, which is, you know, a lot of the things that go into pickup trucks. So it's exciting to see. Yeah, I think that's great. And that, you make a good point, right? Truck owners want that payload. They want the, the stability and strength. And so they're not going to give that up, right? So that, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the beauty of these uh, technologies. Yeah. So, Tom, we're going to go back to you. And we talk, we're talking a lot about pickup trucks. But what about the commercial vehicles? Um, is there an opportunity there with the EV? Yeah, absolutely. So, if you are our, our EV Maxell, will be coming in ranges of 120 to 250 kilowatt. And we're targeting it to be you know, from the medium to heavy duty uh, segment of pickup trucks, but also include light commercial vehicles like delivery vans. So it's definitely um, targeting that sector as well, Tracy. Thank you. Okay, so we've got a couple more here. And you just talked about range, but I want you to say it again because we're getting a couple of questions about that. So, what your what what's the range of light duty trucks in this technology being about four or on? Sorry, it was a little bit hard to hear. You said the range. Yeah, yeah. Basically, let's you, you talked about it just a little bit ago. So let's let's expand on that just a little bit more and talk about the range. Yeah. So you know, if we think about what range we can get on a pickup truck, think about it like this: on, on conventional ICs, right? The range will uh, depend very very heavily on you know, what the truck is being used for uh, for right now. I'm, I'm hauling a big boat, for example, and I'm going off-roading and so on and so forth. So, so the same considerations apply here, but um, it, it really depends on the size of the truck, the battery size and how I'm using it. But the beauty, uh, I believe, for, for Magna to be in the segment is that we have a lot of expertise working not only on the powertrain electrification, but also on lightweighting materials on our chassis and body, for example, as well on, on dynamic um, uh, you know, systems like our, like our uh, shutters, for example, that will extend the range uh, beyond what uh, the electrification can do. So it's a, it's a total system that will help us here. Perfect. Okay. And we've got Alex from Motor Trend asking us, I think, a really important question here. And what roughly would the weight difference be between an e-beam and a traditional light, axle, light truck axle, um, assuming the same application? 
So, so the way we're designing this EBIM, and, and this is extremely important to us because we think it'll make it easier, faster, and less expensive for OEMs to, to electrify trucks is almost a drop-in uh, solution. So we would use the same suspension, the same brake systems that uh, the conventional trucks are having right now. So you can deduct from that that the weight penalty is really not going to be significant. And then torque? Higher torque, better towing? We will not sacrifice at all any of the stuff that, you know, truck enthusiasts love, love and, uh, you know, with their vehicles. So you will have the same or better hauling capability and payload than uh, with conventional trucks. All right, that's great. And we're running out of time here. We're going we're gonna to get yanked off the, uh, off the stage here, but... There is a contact form in the media center. If you anyone has additional questions or want to spend some time with either Sharif or Tom, let us know. We'd be happy to set that up. But super excited about this game-changing technology that we're bringing. I, I think it's it really is going to be a game changer. Thank you, Sharif. Thank you, Tom, for joining us, and thank you all to the media who joined us for today. Have a great day. Hello. Uh, my name is Cynthia Tenhouse. I'm the Vice President of Marketing for Toyota. So I want to say thank you so much for your interest in Mirai. Now, we are incredibly proud of this all-new 2021 Mirai, and we can't wait to hear your thoughts. But to understand why this vehicle is so important to us, you have to understand where we're going. So by 2025, our global aim is to offer an electrified option on all of our models. And this all ladders up to our larger, long-term sustainability goals, which are part of our Environmental Challenge 2050. Now, whether that's a hybrid electric, plug-in hybrid electric, pure battery electric, or a fuel cell electric, Toyota will lead the way. And we will always cater to our customers, knowing full well that they are in the driver's seat. Toyota spends over $1 million an hour on global R&D to develop a broad spectrum of options to meet those customer needs. And we do feel strongly that fuel cell electric is a technology that has tremendous upside, and it will only continue to grow and serve more and more consumers. Now, in 2015, we debuted the first Mirai, the first production hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicle offered for sale to retail customers in North America. And we have sold over 6,500 vehicles in California, proving that fuel cell can work in the light duty market. And we've seen other competitive models go on sale as well. And we welcome those OEMs to continue to produce fuel cell vehicles so we can jointly grow the fuel cell market share. Fuel cell is an elegantly sustainable powertrain because it's clean, scalable platform that can meet a broad range of mobility needs with zero emissions. Now, I'd love to tell you more about the hydrogen as a sustainable energy source, but I'm going to save that for our next presenter. Instead, let me tell you about the 2021 Mirai, the most advanced electric vehicle in the market. Our engineers and designers focused on creating an incredible looking vehicle with great driving dynamics. In fact, the emotional design was styled so customers would choose Mirai for its beauty alone, and being environmentally friendly was simply icing on the cake. The engineers started with the GAL premium rear-wheel drive platform, which is the same underpinning as a Lexus LS, 
and that allowed us to make this Mirai lower, longer, and wider than its predecessor. And no matter the grade, the fuel cell system provides a highly responsive and high-powered driving experience. And with pure EV power, the Mirai delivers smooth acceleration and a linear driving feel. With improved fuel stack performance and increased hydrogen capacity, the range of the new Mirai has increased by up to 30% to 402 miles. And both grades come with three hydrogen tanks that are a marvel of carbon fiber engineering. The new Mirai is beautiful, it's comfortable, and it's an incredible drive, all with zero emissions. And each grade will feature attractive lease and purchase options. And all 2021 Mirais come with $15,000 of complimentary hydrogen and a plethora of additional benefits, including extended Toyota care and a 21-day complimentary rental. Now, to talk about all things hydrogen, I'd like to turn it over to Jackie Birdsall, senior engineer on Toyota's fuel cell team. Jackie? It's a privilege to talk about a very important piece of Toyota's future, the beautiful, completely redesigned Toyota Mirai. But since Cynthia already covered the features, I'll talk more specifically to hydrogen and fuel cell electric technology. Throughout history, hydrogen has been used as a proven source of energy storage. The basic function of the fuel cell, that is, combining hydrogen and oxygen to produce water and electricity, was discovered in 1838. It was first used in generators in 1939, then in spacecraft and forklifts, and recently its use has expanded to power submarines and aircraft. At Toyota, we have been developing this technology for more than 25 years and our first production fuel cell electric vehicle hit the road in 2015. Still, after decades of proven capabilities, many people are unfamiliar with fuel cell technology. When people hear electric, they only think battery electric. So first, we must communicate that fuel cell electric vehicles are an option for zero emission driving. On top of generating that awareness, we must also dispel a few myths. The first misconception has to do with safety, and at Toyota, safety is our top priority. I personally can understand why someone's unfamiliarity with hydrogen could leave them with concern and see this as a learning opportunity. Hydrogen is flammable, but so is gasoline. Really, any energy carrier is, but just like gasoline and other flammable fuels, it's all about knowing how to store and handle it safely. The Mirai itself is as safe, if not safer, than any gasoline vehicle. We test not only to ensure compliance with the global technical regulation, which ensures the performance of our hydrogen tanks, but also to our own internal standards, which go above and beyond this regulation. Of course, we also perform all the standard NHTSA safety crash testing. Another myth is that hydrogen will always be expensive to produce. But the truth is, hydrogen is already a standard industrial commodity with approximately 10 million metric tons produced every year in the United States alone. And as Cynthia already mentioned, all of our Mirai come with $15,000 of complementary hydrogen. So with these myths rebutted, let's talk about why fuel cell electric vehicles are an essential part of our electrification strategy. Just like BEVs, FCEVs produce zero emissions. 
But there are many advantages for fuel cell electric vehicles. For instance, around 40 million people, or one in eight Americans, live in an apartment and don't have access to plug in their vehicles overnight. These customers need an alternative to drive zero emission vehicles that doesn't include a plug or a long recharging time. Refilling a fuel cell electric vehicle takes around five minutes, resembling the process of filling at a gas station. And this new Mirai has a range of up to 402 miles. Now, yes, infrastructure is currently a limitation to FCEVs, but we're working with local governments, NGOs, utilities, and energy companies to increase the access to hydrogen wherever we can. We currently have 43 retail stations in Southern and Northern California, with an expected 21 more stations to be operational in the next 12 to 18 months. In fact, we recently announced a program with Iwatani to support the build-out of seven new stations in Southern California. And we're making some headway with regulators in other parts of the country, like the Northeast, where there are a number of stations built and or nearly complete. And we're encouraged by the efforts and interest in the Northwest and in Colorado. But suffice it to say, we do need more refilling stations. We've got our work cut out for us. We need to continue to educate the public and policymakers on why building a hydrogen infrastructure is so important. And we can't just rely on plugging in. Utilities can shut down the grid to prevent wildfires, like we've recently seen in California. And as the grid moves to renewable distributed power, including solar and wind electrical generation, we'll have lots of excess renewable energy, which will need to be stored. A perfect storage medium for this excess energy? Hydrogen. This renewable hydrogen can be used in stationary fuel cells for on-demand power generation, injected into gas pipelines, stored for later use, including fueling hydrogen fuel cell vehicles like the Mirai. Thank you for your time today, and I hope you enjoy driving the Mirai as much as we all here do. Great. Uh, we got some folks into the room, so good morning. My name is Paul Hogard. I work uh, in product communications for Toyota covering the Mirai. So thanks for watching our Mirai overview video this morning. Uh, we are incredibly proud of this vehicle. Uh, our engineers and designers really focused on creating uh, a great looking vehicle uh, with uh, luxury features, uh, great driving dynamics and a uh, zero emission powertrain to boot. So uh, this morning we have a, a great team here from Toyota to answer your questions. Uh, on point is Jackie Birdsall, the senior engineering manager for Fuel Cell uh, and Jesse Modi, the senior planner for Fuel Cell Vehicles. Uh, we also have some additional team members here uh, that we'll have jump in for support uh, as needed. Uh, so uh, let's get right to it. Uh, how many hydrogen vehicles can we expect from Toyota in the future? <laughs> I think we should have all the vehicles be hydrogen, but I do not rule the world. Um, we think hydrogen is really a way forward, both on light duty vehicles and commercial vehicles. So we're always looking for ways to optimize this and, and give consumers kind of what they're looking for based on demand and um, the environment um, that we're in, the markets that we're competing in. So in the California area, obviously, we only have one vehicle right now. But as we progress into the future and look at demand ramping up, potentially, we are going to continue to evaluate um, innovations that can make it to the marketplace. Fantastic. 
All right. Um, let's go with a uh, an infrastructure question. So Jackie and uh, Saeed will probably be uh, the best suited folks for this one. How many hydrogen stations are needed nationwide to give full coverage? Is Toyota actively subsidizing hydrogen station installation? Thank you. That's a good question. So right now, Toyota is focused on kind of uh, the California market and expanding that. We have 44 stations in California currently approved for Mirai use. Uh, we have partnered with uh, infrastructure partners like Shell and Iwatani to increase the densification within California and key strategic spots such as Southern California and Northern California. And we're kind of currently focused on expanding California and looking into other potential uh, markets, uh, ZEV focus markets. All right. Thank you, Saeed. Uh, a little of a follow-up question here from uh, a different, uh, a different person in the mix. Uh, it's asking about uh, with this is from. Let's see here. Can't quite tell. With just seven filling stations mentioned in California, only four regions even planned for filling stations. How is the Mirai more convenient than BEVs, uh, which have hundreds or thousands of quick charging stations? Uh, so, and then also a little a little follow up question on that one is uh, the cost of hydrogen is also higher than charging. So, Jackie or Saeed, would you care to comment on on that question? Sure. So the first part of the question, as I understand it, is how are uh, hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles more convenient than battery electric? And it comes down really to filling time. So it takes less than five minutes to refill this vehicle with hydrogen and you get over 400 miles of, of all electric driving range. So uh, that is where it really is more convenient for our customers, particularly those who don't have the option to plug in and recharge at home. Um, the second part of it was, remind me again. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, the other pieces uh, around the cost of hydrogen uh, uh, being yes. higher than you know charging technically. Excellent, excellent question. So actually the cost of hydrogen is really quite low, right? We make 10 million metric tons of it annually in the US alone. Um, the cost to actually fuel a vehicle, some of those capital costs, investment costs of the equipment itself is being absorbed into the price of the fuel, which makes it kind of arbitrarily high. And that's exactly why we're including up to uh, $15,000 worth of free fuel with the vehicle when it's leased or purchased. Excellent, thank you very much. Uh, this is a good technical question. Uh, is the ratio of 70 miles per kilogram of hydrogen still current or has that improved on the numeri? So that's probably a Jackie or Daniel question. Is the ratio of 70 miles per kilogram of hydrogen still current? I believe it was 64 miles per gallon equivalent, which is similar, which is equivalent to a kilogram of hydrogen. So it's 64 kilograms, which is an improvement over the previous generation Mirai. Okay. Uh, let's bounce back to a marketing question. Uh, and this probably overlaps a little bit with infrastructure too, Saeed, but uh, uh, the question is simple. You are putting now in Washington state. So I think the real question there is, uh, any anything that we can talk about expanding into the Pacific Northwest? No, it's, it's a good question, and it's a natural progression of you know beyond California. Where do we want to go? So Toyota is actively looking at where it makes sense to potentially expand 
and obviously the one of the logical candidates are these kind of ZEV states and there's natural synergies with West Coast. So there are a lot of and, and confidential discussions behind the scenes with you know station on potential expansion paths, what that looks like, et cetera. So a lot of exciting discussions, and I think more to come on that later. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, anyone with anything to add to that one? Uh, we have been granted an extra five minutes here, so that's very helpful. We'll keep the questions coming. Um, this question is, some filling stations generate hydrogen on site and some are loaded with hydrogen tank trucks. So I guess the question, um, this might be infrastructure related or even heavy duty, but the, the situation between uh, a station that's being filled with a truck delivering the hydrogen or a station that is actually producing the hydrogen on site. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There's uh, currently one site, the LAX site that produces hydrogen on site via an SMR, steam methane reformer. The vast majority of stations kind of existing and plan are going to have uh, delivered hydrogen as opposed to on-site hydrogen generation. There's some natural efficiencies with having kind of larger ground storage and delivering versus kind of on-site production. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, another one uh, from uh, anonymous attendee will be on hydrogen EVs over battery EVs in the future. Uh, I'll kind of kick that one off, but we are taking a, a market mix approach. We believe consumers uh, want to have a choice and hydrogen is one of those choices. Uh, and we have recently uh, uh, announced that we're going to be accelerating uh, our, our battery electric vehicle rollout as well. So stay tuned for more on that. Uh, Jackie or Jesse, anything you'd care to add around our kind of mixed strategy? That was great. That's exactly what's happening. We want to make sure we have powertrains for all, right? So we want to be the go-to um, OEM for consumers who are looking to satisfy the need they have in their life. Great. Uh, thank you, Jesse, Saeed, Jackie, Daniel, Kohei. Uh, we are out of time here. There are a few questions that are lingering in the Q&A that looks like we haven't gotten to. So I will... Uh, jump in and get everybody answers to anything that uh, means. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and taking some interest in Mirai. And please don't hesitate to continue to reach out uh, and ask us anything uh, you need to know about this great new vehicle. So thanks again for joining. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Now, before I dive into the cool features and content of this car, let's talk a little bit about what the ID4 is and where it's positioned. Now, the ID4 is a compact SUV. You can see it in terms of the silhouette. You'll experience it in terms of the space. And this car is well-priced. It has excellent range. It has the space you expect from a compact SUV. And also, very importantly, has that all-wheel drive available option. Now, the vehicle is beautifully designed. You'll see our new Volkswagen design language. And very importantly too, this car contains those true Volkswagen driving dynamics. Now the ID4 starts at a retail price of roughly $39,995, and that's before potential tax incentives of up to $7,500. Now we've also calculated that over a five-year period, the ID4 versus a relative ICE compact SUV could save you up to $3,500 in terms of fuel savings. And if you take both of those into account, you'll see that the ID4 really is targeted at the heart of the compact SUV segment. 
One last point I think very important to note is that the ID4 is also equipped standard with our IQ Drive driver assistance suite of features. Whilst we're on the side of the car, let's talk about a couple other things. You'll see the ID4 has enormous wheels. The ID4 comes standard with 19-inch wheels, and the Pro S with the gradient you'll see has these upgraded large 20-inch alloy wheels. The gradient package also contains this black roof. You'll notice some very nice silver roof rails, and that ends here in the C-pillar with the silver blade um, at the back end and then is also integrated into the rear spoiler. Okay, as we transition to the rear, let's talk one more time about these SUV-like proportions and the slightly more upright C-pillar. Not only does that give you slightly better headroom in the second row, but it also gives us a really generous trunk space. And we'll talk a little bit about the really cavernous trunk space of the ID4. Before we do, let's talk a little bit about the tail lamps. Now we mentioned the LED lighting up front, and that treatment definitely continues in the rear. You'll see stunning LED tail lamps, and you'll see this ID4 light bar that extends right across the trunk and it connects these two LED tail lamps. So there you have it, folks, a sneak preview into our all new electric ID4. A vehicle that is not only beautiful, but also has real SUV-like proportions, and those proportions obviously transcend into some of that really impressive interior space. The ID4 is very well loaded in terms of standard content, a vehicle that has impressive range, and also a vehicle that is bundled up with a really competitive price. We thank you very much for your attention throughout this video, and we look forward to getting you behind the wheel of an all-new ID4. All good. Yeah. Well, okay, greetings. Uh, good afternoon, folk, uh, or good morning from wherever you're dialing in. Uh, I'm Hans Schaefer, Senior Vice President for Product and Strategy for the Volkswagen brand here in, in the United States. Uh, very excited to be with you today. Um, obviously, a monumental moment, I think, in our, in our history and, and, of course, a, a, big, a big moment because uh, we are launching our first um, all-electric ID4 uh, SUV. I also have with me here today, Jeffrey Lear. Jeffrey, do you want to briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Heim. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Lear. I'm the product manager for the MEB vehicles for Volkswagen of America, and we're excited to uh, talk to you all about ID4 today. So thanks for joining. Okay, Jeffrey, I'm uh, diving straight into some of the documented questions over here. Um, I think the first question that I'll maybe handle uh, that it comes from Jack is, uh, what are some of the key differentiators of the ID4 uh, and in what way does it stand out? Um, Jack, I think, I think for us, the, the important part is, you know, when we spoke about where to put our first volume electric car, we wanted to attack one of the biggest segments. And uh, that's really why we went off the compact SUV. Um, and I think if you look at the dimensions of this car, if you look at the, uh, particularly the C and the D pillars, um, you can see that you've got a very much an upright SUV body style. You'll also then see when you get into that second row, I'm six foot five, you don't have any compromise. It's not a coupe, so you've got ample ample headroom in the rear. Um, and then also those kind of more upright features give you that phenomenal trunk space. So in terms of dimensions, in terms of look, a real SUV. Um, I think the other thing that makes this car so good is that it's a no compromise kind of vehicle. Um, it's got decent range at 250 miles. We've started the pricing at quite an aggressive level at just below $40,000. Um, with the av available federal tax credit, that gets you down to almost 32 and a half. So almost in the price range of an average Tiguan, RAV4 or CRV. Um, I think what makes the car very unique is that we're one of the few at that price point that really offer three years of, of fast charging through Electric Power America. So even the charging anxiety that you used to have is no longer there. You've got, call it by the end of this year, over 800 
charging points across the United States, which are at, free at your disposal. Uh, that's included standard in the vehicle for a three-year period. Um, and then I think also just it's, it's, it's affordable at 40 grand, but very well loaded in terms of content. And Jeffrey can probably take us through, through a little bit of that later. Um, but standard with the IQ drive package, big wheels, uh, a really well loaded vehicle. So from our perspective, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique car because it really can go after mass compact um, SUV customers. Yeah, hi, and I would also add there um, in terms of kind of cool differentiators, key features, um, our ID light system is standard on all the ID4s. It's really a cool, unique light. It's at the front of the dashboard there and it interacts with the driver and passenger with multiple features like voice control, some of the driver assistance systems, as well as uh, when you plug the vehicle in for charging, gives you your charge status. So something there that's neat and cool and, and new to the industry uh, we have on all ID4s. Perfect. Okay, Williams asked, dealers have the ID4 coming in. Are they going to be custom build ones or are they sort of a pre-setup and then matched up to customer uh, and shipped off to the dealer? So we have got a, a pre-reservation platform. Um, we have a couple different models available there. We do have a special first edition model. Um, Jeffrey can maybe give us a couple more details just about the first edition. So those are some of the first cars to land on the shores. We've actually got some images of dealers receiving those cars literally this week. So some of those have already um, landed at, at, at dealer showroom floors. Um, then obviously the rear wheel drive. So we've got uh, two trims in the rear wheel drive also arriving. And then at a later stage during this year, we also have the all wheel drive arriving. So the first one to hit is, uh, is, is a first edition. And Jeffrey, do you want to talk through some of the features on that car? Yeah, sure. First edition is uh, a, a great value car. It's an awesome package. Um, so it's the first one out of the gate. It is our 82 kilowatt hour. It's the rear wheel drive model. Think of it as a fully loaded car. Um, and uh, it has a bunch of great features like the uh, glass roof, the premium uh, headlights up front. It has power seats, of course, um, unique 20 inch wheels. It has our two tone uh, black roof um, with some silver accents down the side. Um, big 12-inch display on in the interior, um, so really nicely contented. That's a, a starting price of 43995 um, and um, it, it is a very nice value. And we're really excited um, to say that those vehicles are all sold out too. So um, reservations are uh, certainly available for all the Pro and uh, Pro S as well as the all-wheel drive models. Thank you, Jeffrey. Okay, next question here is um, speak a little bit more about the range and charging capability, please. Um, I think I've already mentioned that our first cars that are landing in the United States have a, have a range of 250 miles. Um, the vehicle is equipped with the standard L1 charger. Jeffrey, do you want to talk a little bit more about maybe the EI, the EA um, three-year fast charging and then also potentially just the in-home solution? Yeah, sure. So charging in range, I'll start with the car first, of course. So 82 kilowatt hour. Um, right now, what we've certified with the EPA is our Pro S and first edition model. Uh, that's a 250 mile uh, certified range. Uh, which we think is fantastic, um, keeping in mind that most compact SUV drivers drive anywhere from 40, 50-ish miles uh, a day. So 
at the end of your day, you plug the car in and all you're doing is replenishing that last 40 or 50 miles that you use. So it, it's a little bit of a, a rethink, of course, with electric vehicles and, and how you charge. So 250 miles, of course, the all wheel drive is coming later um, uh, as well. Uh, charging capability. So the car can do uh, 11 kilowatt AC. So uh, as fast as 11 kilowatt um, uh, for uh, level two charging. And then um, level three is 125 kilowatt. So most of the Electrify America stations uh, around the country are up to 150 uh, kilowatt. So that's that's plenty sufficient. We'll power, uh, of course, the ID4. Um, and that's, of course, with the CCS uh, DC fast charging system. So not Chatamo, not anything unique to Volkswagen. It is the universal CCS system. Um, as Hein mentioned, our uh, all ID4s from all year 21 will include the three years of DC fast charging on the Electrify America network. Um, so that's included with every single vehicle. It's an awesome uh, selling proposition, something we wanted to uh, make sure that we um, remove those hurdles to, to get into electrification. We all know um, uh, charging is, is really unknown. Uh, a lot of folks tell us and throughout a lot of our research that uh, charging is one of the most unknown. There's range anxiety and things like that. So we're trying to remove those barriers and, and get rid of um, uh, those excuses for adopting an electric vehicle. So putting that in, we thought it was extremely important um, to remove that, that barrier there. Okay, let me give you a, a little break there. Jeffrey Jacks asked, um, is VWOA um, changing its retailing strategy or procedure to accompany the ID4 launch? Um, Jack, I think the answer to that's probably no. Um, I think COVID has taught probably most of, of us, of automaker and, and OEM manufacturers, that uh, digital uh, retail is a lot more important. So we have worked very hard on a, a digital retailing solution on a very simple website that makes it very simple to transact your car. And we have also, I think, uh, for probably the first time in a long time, also run a pre-reservation uh, system. Um, and we've, we've got a nice healthy order bank of, of pre-reservations. And obviously, as the first cars start landing in the country, we then plan to to ship those off to some of the customers that have entered via the the the, uh, the reservation platform. Um, I think also just important to us too. I think one of the things where we are we also feel like we potentially have the edge is that we do have a very strong dealer network with roughly 650 dealers well represented across the country, and a lot of those dealers are very keen to sell and service the ID4. So so we continue to sell this through our dealer network albeit that we have got a little bit smarter on the front end with a very simple website and a very simple uh, digital strategy. I want to thank you guys so much for everyone's really excited about this vehicle and uh, thank you for participating today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you everyone. <laughs>